And at the top of page 13, we arrive to Lord's Day 26 of the Heidelberg Catechism. This is uh, our second week now beginning to touch upon the topic of the sacraments. And uh, being the first time since we're a church plant, being the first time that we've preached through the doctrines of the catechism and the Lord's Days of the catechism, I was actually kind of stunned to find out that six weeks are devoted to the sacraments because there is a lot to deal with here and the sacraments are truly that important for the Christian life. So we, uh, we come today to that topic of Christian baptism and uh, it is confessed for us here in question and answer 69 through 71. Let's read these responsibly. How does holy baptism remind and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross benefits you personally. In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it promised that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly His blood and His Spirit wash away my soul's impurity, that is, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven our sins because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed and sanctified us to be members of Christ, so that more and more we die to sin and live holy and blameless lives. Where does Christ promise that we are washed with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? In the institution of baptism, where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated when Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is Scripture now summarized for us. Let's go to the Lord and ask for His Spirit's help to apply these doctrines. Almighty and everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we are sinners conceived and born in sin, unable of ourselves to do any good. But we do heartily repent of our sins, and we seek Your grace to help us in our remaining weaknesses. Through the teaching of your word, which we confess with the church throughout the ages, satisfy our hunger and quench our thirst with your refreshing truth, that we with all our hearts may love and serve you with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the one and only true God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Last week, we asked the question, where does saving faith come from? If faith is the instrument of your soul to reach out and cling to Jesus Christ and all his benefits, 
then where does that faith come from? And we saw in Scripture that the Holy Spirit creates that faith in your heart through gospel preaching, and He confirms that faith, He strengthens it through the use of the Holy Sacraments. And today we turn now to the first sacrament in the New Covenant, Holy Baptism. This is a sacrament of initiation, of the sacrament of membership into the body of Jesus Christ. Holy Baptism. Some people live every day basically like they're just materialists. Materialists. As though the things you can see and touch are really the main things in life. That's almost all that there is. Even professing Christians can live this way. Going day after day, thinking almost nothing about supernatural realities or anything beyond the material worlds. Others live each day going to the opposite end of the spectrum, believing that everything is supernatural. There's really nothing that is a natural process in God's providence, but everything, every rock and every parking space and every decision you make is a direct and special working of the Holy Spirit or of the devil. And maybe you won't be able to figure out which one it is. You know? Everything is supernatural. We are tempted to fall into one of these two extremes in all kinds of ways, and particularly when it comes to baptism. Some believe it to be a meaningful moment, but it doesn't really accomplish anything. You know, the water's nice. I get the symbolism. It's not really doing anything, though. Others believe baptism accomplishes everything. The water touches the body and you are now justified, sanctified, you're saved now and forever. You have the Holy Spirit, you've been conformed to the image of Christ. Unless perhaps you commit a mortal sin and you leave the state of grace in the Roman Catholic system of doctrine. What we find in scripture is something wonderful and far better. Baptism is a holy ritual. It is a ritual. Protestants are not anti-ritual. We just want the Bible's rituals. (laughs) Baptism is a holy ritual given by God himself through the command of Christ. This ritual objectively, now hear me on this, this ritual objectively proclaims God's gospel promises to all. To all who receive this sacrament, The the water and the ritual of baptism proclaims God's gospel promises objectively. And baptism is subjectively a means of grace when it is received by faith. Let's look at the different parts and the meaning of baptism with this definition in mind. First, the parts of baptism. It is a sacrament. And as we saw last week, a sacrament has visible elements... And invisible graces. A visible element and an invisible grace that is tied to the visible element. Not by magic, but by the word of God. Water is the visible sign in baptism, obviously. That's the visible part. The things that are signified by that sign are two things, primarily. The blood of Christ and the Spirit of Christ. And these things, the water with the blood and Spirit of Christ, are united by the Word of God. 
So that this external outward washing has promises attached to it. So it's not mere water anymore in the ritual of baptism. It is a gospel sermon in water from God for the people of God. Paul connects baptism. Okay, so we've seen that it's, it symbolizes and signifies the blood of Christ, the spirit of Christ. We see that connection to the blood of Christ when Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, we read earlier, he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. Baptism signifies inescapably and objectively, it signifies the suffering in the blood of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial. Baptism also signifies that second thing that our catechism is drawing out for us, signifies the washing of the Holy Spirit. Paul uses this wonderful phrase in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He speaks of the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit. He's not just using random images and saying the Holy Spirit is somehow randomly, arbitrarily tied to those images. No, what, the, what baptism signifies as an outward washing is the inward washing through the Holy Spirit. Some read these passages, these very ones, like Romans 6, you've been baptized into his death, or Titus 3, the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And they say, there it is for you. If you've been baptized with water, you've received Christ, the end. But this approach confuses the sign with the, the thing signified. It confuses the sign with the thing signified. And for centuries, even before the Protestant Reformation, thoughtful theologians, even in the medieval age, said that if the water becomes the blood and spirit of Christ, or when it comes to the the, uh, Lord's Supper, if the bread and wine becomes and transforms into the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, then you don't have a sacrament anymore. You just have the thing. You just have the thing signified. So then what's the use of sacraments? So this view that when when you receive water in holy baptism and then by virtue of that baptism with water, you are now in Christ, it confuses the the sign with the thing signified. And then you don't have a sacrament anymore. The other extreme is to say that these verses are only talking about that inward baptism and the ritual of being baptized with water isn't in view at all. So Paul says, we've been baptized into Christ. That's got nothing to do with water. That would be the other kind of end into the spectrum. That separates the sign from the thing signified. If one error confuses the two and so destroys the sacrament, the other end of the spectrum, the other extreme, separates the sign from the thing signified and destroys the sacrament in a different way. By making it an empty symbol. An arbitrary symbol. We hold. We hold. That the proper way to read these passages. And a multitude of others. Is that the sign and the thing signified. Are united by the powerful word of God. 
God Himself has attached promises to these rituals. And we should not separate what God has put together. These are the parts of baptism, then. We recognize that God has joined the washing with water with the washing of the Holy Spirit and the cleansing through Jesus' blood. Not by an empty symbol on one hand and not by magic on the other hand, but sacramentally through the Word. Through the Word. And to receive the sacraments with faith is to certainly receive Christ's blood and Spirit. Do you see water on the skin in baptism? As surely as you see it, so certainly does Christ's blood and Spirit cleanse your soul of all its impurities. So we must believe. When you are in your baptism, or when you see another person baptized, believe the promises of the gospel and be strengthened. Secondly, we learn about the performer in baptism. And what I mean by the performer is, who's the one actually doing the baptism? That was an earth-shattering question that was posed to me many years ago. Who's actually doing this? Now, you know, if you were to be presented for holy baptism, think of your own baptism whenever this was, of course you were involved. You presented yourself, or you presented your children, or you as a, a baby or a child were presented, so you or your parents. You know, we have human agency in this. To be presented for baptism. But the triune God is the primary performer in holy baptism. As we read in Mark chapter 1, John the Baptist says, I baptize you merely with water, but the one who is to come will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will do it. Something profound happens in holy baptism. And is signified in holy baptism. And the profound thing that it is signifying is that God is doing something for his wretched people to cleanse them from their sins. A true Christian baptism is done in the name of and by the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the triune name, you don't have a baptism. Because God is the one doing the baptism. He's a God of means, so he uses other things. He uses water. He uses a minister. But he's the one doing it. God is the one proclaiming the promises and signifying the washing of the Holy Spirit and the cleansing with Christ's blood. Of the three persons of the Trinity, Scripture especially focuses on the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the sacraments. We see this in both the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel, in a wonderful prophecy foresaw a day when God would, as he says, sprinkle clean water on his people, resulting in a new heart. The sign and the thing signified. Sprinkling with clean water and a new heart. The inner working of the Holy Spirit. They must not be separated or confused, but they are tied together through God's word. How is the Spirit going to do this? How does it rather, how does Ezekiel say God is going to do this? He continues and God says, I will put my Spirit within you. There's the sprinkling with water, there's the new heart as a result, and it is the Holy Spirit who does it. Because God is the primary performer in holy baptism. In the New Testament, again, we look back at Titus chapter 3. 
Paul calls baptism the renewal of the Holy Spirit. It is God who renews from within. God who accomplishes baptism. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, Paul says it like this. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It is the spirit who is poured out into the hearts of believers. God is the one who accomplishes it. This emphasis on the Holy Spirit is because it is his unique job to apply the finished work of Jesus Christ to you. Kids, as we've been learning in the catechism, it's not only to others, but to me also, Christ promises the forgiveness of sins. And the Holy Spirit takes the objective promises of the gospel and he applies them directly to you. That is his work. Still, though, we're talking about realities here that we cannot see with the naked eye or observe with the natural senses. And the Holy Spirit accomplishes baptism, not just through water alone, but as we've been emphasizing, he accomplishes accomplishes it through the word of God. Not just the water, but through the word of God. In fact, unless the word of God is used to set aside the element of water for a holy purpose, then once again, it's not a sacrament at all. It's just water and a man-made ritual. It is the word of God which makes it a holy ritual and a sacrament. And so the sacrament requires the instruction of the word of God, particularly by quoting Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. As I've said before, these are commonly called the words of institution. I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit to be baptized into the triune name. So there is a vital connection between the sign, the thing signified, and that connection is established by the Word of God. So our baptismal liturgies that we have, and same for the Lord's Supper, are filled with instruction from God's Word. So that we are not doing something out of mere custom, and certainly not out of superstition, but rooted in the Word of God. This is why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, listen to this, because this is in the passage where Paul is talking about how husbands and wives are to love one another in Christian marriage. So we usually focus on that, and we miss this phrasing here. Paul says that Christ loved his church by laying down his life for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That is baptism. It is to be washed with water with the Word. That is the sacramental union that we're talking about here. It is a beautiful picture that the Word of God unites something we can see with our eyes with the glorious, invisible realities of salvation and the inward work of the Holy Spirit. It is a solemn and joyful and, yes, a mysterious ritual indeed. We cannot engineer the parts of baptism. We can merely confess... The parts that are given to us in Scripture and what God chooses to accomplish through these sacraments is up to his holy will. Ordinary water is set aside by the word and the promises of God. And in this way, he preaches the gospel to our senses. Lastly, this evening, we locate the promises of baptism. What are we really talking about here? What is being promised? We say in our baptism liturgy... We say this, baptism is a seal 
and totally reliable witness that we have an eternal covenant with God. It is a seal and totally reliable witness. In other words, it is a sign of the covenant. And that covenant comes with promises. God has made promises to his people. What are those promises? Question and answer 70 in the catechism pinpoints the two major ones. First, to be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven our sins. The promise of the forgiveness of sins. That is the doctrine of justification. Justification says that your sins are forgiven for the sake of Christ's blood, and you are righteous in His sight. Baptism proclaims those promises to you. The Catechism goes on. To be washed with Christ's Spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed and sanctified us to be members of Christ, so that more and more we die to sin and live holy and blameless lives. That's the doctrine of sanctification. That is the renewal, the inward renewal of the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus Christ. Baptism proclaims the dual promises of the forgiveness of sins and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The blood of Christ, the Holy Spirit of Christ. And baptism objectively proclaims that gospel to you. That you might believe and be transformed. Now, we're saying... What we're saying is that in baptism, God himself is preaching that gospel. So when the water is applied, once again, brothers and sisters, we must remember, as surely as water washes dirt from the body, so surely his blood and spirit wash away my sins. There is a certainty that is tied to baptism. It is a means of grace from God, confirming your faith and stirring that faith to become stronger and more focused on Christ. We're not placing our faith in the baptism. We're placing our faith in the, in the one who has baptized us. We're placing our faith in the one who has given us the sacrament. That's the whole point of having it, is that our faith would remain steadfast in Christ and in Him alone. These benefits that we've been talking about Justification, sanctification, as proclaimed in baptism, these benefits remain with you your whole life, not just at the moment of your baptism. It continues to offer Christ to you as often as you remember it. Whether you were baptized as an adult or as an infant, to remember your baptism means you remember Christ who was offered in that baptism and you are strengthened by that same Messiah. So remember your own baptism and teach your children the meaning of theirs and call them to saving faith. Call them to the Christ who alone can offer blood that cleanses them of their sins. Tell them, tell your children that the promises in baptism are certain. That if they will believe on Christ, they will certainly be saved. There is no doubt about these promises. Remember your baptism in times of doubt and in temptation. Because you know that in baptism you have a totally reliable seal and promise. Let the memory of water on your body lift your eyes above your doubts, above your temptations, to the God who makes you righteous through His Son. 
Embrace the promises signified by the sacrament and remember that it was God himself who has accomplished it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would inscribe this word on our hearts and help us to remember our baptism, knowing that it proclaims to us the Christ of the gospel and confirm and strengthen our faith through it. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.